Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. And Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week, another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with most of the guys. Myself, Bob, we got Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, John Rush be back with us next week. Roger, Neil, how you guys doing? Very good, doing great, Bob. Thanks. How are you? Good, good. Always good catching up with you. And so this week, we're going to talk about a couple of Christian movements that we're seeing a lot of in the news lately. One of them is the event, the quote-unquote revival that happened at Asbury College that's been pretty much wound down this week. And then secondly, the HeGetsUs.com campaign, the Jesus campaign, where we saw the commercials for this in the Super Bowl. And then there's a huge nationwide campaign that's being launched this year as part of that. So we're going to be talking about that as well. Let's start, though, with the Asbury College. Uh, First, we know that uh, at Asbury College in Kentucky, a little small college, Christian college, I had this chapel service, and the chapel service just continued. You know how sometimes you have worship service, and then after worship service, people gather at the altar, and they just keep praying and keep going? Well, it just kept going. And then before you know it, all night, 24 hours a day, day after day after day, and then eventually people started catching on. People started coming around from around the country, even around the world, to attend this. It got to where you you almost had to get a ticket to get in. People are standing in line. They're waiting. uh, And this, this revival movement, as it was referred to, and this thing lasted just about a couple of weeks. Well, anyway, the president of the college he finally decided in talking with the board that, hey, we are a college, we, we think it's great, whatever move of the Holy Spirit, whatever draws people to the Lord, the excitement for the Lord is fantastic, but we do still have a college to operate. Our kids have midterm exams coming up, and we do need to get back to normal functioning. So we encourage people, keep looking for the Lord, but let's move this thing to some churches or something. And so he pretty much ordered through the course of this week uh, this to come to a halt. Uh, and then when we look at what happened there, the, the word revival is being thrown out about Asbury College and what happened there. And there are some Christians who are expressing some skepticism, criticism, and concern, saying, hey, you know, not so fast. We can't know for sure if this is really a true Holy Spirit revival. We're going to have to wait and see what fruit is produced from this. I know that's what I've been saying on my show. Uh, obviously, we don't want to squelch in any way young people seeking the Lord, of course. But we can't really know if this is a bona fide move of the Holy Spirit or if this was just a bunch of emotionalism that everybody got caught up in or if it was just somewhere in between. So we're going to kind of explore all this now and get everybody's thoughts on what happened at Asbury College. How do we contextualize this and understand this going forward? And, you know, I, Roger, maybe I can start with you. 
I, I know that there are some people say, oh, the, forget this. This is, you know, I got problems with this. I don't want anything to do with this. This is uh, heretical stuff going on. I'm like, no, I'm not on that bandwagon. But I'm also not on the bandwagon to the other extreme, which is like fully embracing this. It's like, hey, I know what a great revival this is. The Holy Spirit's really moving in a powerful way and whatever. I'm not convinced of that either. There are some, I wouldn't say red flags that I've seen, but there are some pink flags that have popped up here and there. And so I've kind of looked at this with uh, cautious optimism, but not outright sold on it as a, a bona fide Holy Spirit movement. So that's kind of where I've been on this. I'm curious to get your take on this, not only as a brother in Christ, but obviously as a pastor. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, especially when you consider the fact that it's happening with young people, which is, we think of the Jesus movement that happened 50-some years ago uh, that happened with young people. And of course, for those who are listening on KBRT, our Southern California affiliate for the Bottom Line Show, uh, we are literally a long stone's throw from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, which is where Chuck Smith and the Jesus People movement really began 50 plus years ago. So it's not like they haven't seen this before. What's different between the two is that kind of revival would happen in the worship service, happen under the tents, but then it moved into people's homes. It kind of kept going. And I think I'm with you, Bob, cautiously optimistic. I love to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I would never want to quench the Spirit's fire. Having said that, um, knowing that this is kind of a two-week type of ordeal. And I, I, I concur with the president of the, the school and the seminary saying, hey, look, we've got classes going on here. This has been somewhat disruptive. We, we're going to move it out of the chapel. And we, if revival is going to keep happening, it's going to keep happening wherever it is. So, I mean, it's not right. like, it's, like it's this place. I know that's been one of the criticisms is why is everyone going to, to this school and this chapel? But I think um, for the – I'll err on the side of uh, uh, positive – caution, you know, in terms of saying, I, I want to believe right. that this is of God. I, 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 I see people's lives being transformed, and then we'll get more into the nuts and bolts of why this is happening here and, and what's happening with the students. But um, I, I think it's too soon to call it a revival, but it certainly has the makings of one. Sure. Uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron, live out of Buffalo, New York. What's your initial thought of uh, and kind of generalized view of Asbury? You're a pastor also. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up, Roger, the Jesus movement situation um, with Jesus Revolution coming out this week. I mean, the timing is really interesting that <laughs> revivals breaking out or alleged revivals breaking out on a college campus. And I want to be um, cautiously optimistic as well. You stole my line, Bob, but, you know, I was thinking about that earlier. How would I say that I'm reacting to this? Because I, I think the reality is the fruit will bear witness to what actually is going on. You know, um, I'm thinking about uh, the situation, you know, with the upper room and, and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and Pentecost and all that happened, you know, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, you know, the followers of Jesus were told to wait for power from on high. And they were waiting for an encounter with God, ultimately. And it wasn't until that happened that they were re really able to go out and turn the world upside down. And there's evidence that they literally did that. I mean, these same people that were running from Jesus at one point and running from the reality of, you know, uh, who he was and, and why he was crucified and all of that, you know, fearful for their own lives, were literally willing to give their lives as a result of what they had seen and heard and experienced. But it wasn't until they received power from on high. And so I'm not saying that this is like a Pentecost experience per se, but I do... I do think it's important that we give uh, these young people the benefit of the doubt because if God is really visiting them in a special way and encouraging their hearts and causing them to draw near to him, then the fruit 
will bear witness to that. And we're going to see things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're going to see transformed lives because that's ultimately what happens when we get into the presence of God. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And obviously, there's a lot more that we're going to be uh, talking about this. And, and when we talk about the fruit that's produced from this, uh, when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I mean, we know this, it, it does change your life. And there's to be good fruit produced from that. And there are good works that we should be producing. We're not saved by the works, but these should be the fruit that gets produced from a changed life. And, and you folks know, when you listen to this podcast, there's all kind of ways that we give you as believers opportunities to to put your faith into action. And one of them that you hear us talking about all the time on the show is preborn. And you know, we're going to be talking more about Asbury. We're going to be talking about He Gets Us. But I want to take a moment right now and just remind everybody listening to us that you have children that are dying in their mother's wombs. And we all together have a chance to save these babies' lives. But it takes money to do this. I'm talking about giving money to preborn. Preborn shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms in pro-life centers all across the country. They've been doing this for a long time. And every year you have tens of thousands of babies' lives that are being saved, but also thousands of moms accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So here's the dollars of it. It takes 28 bucks on average to stop one abortion to save 10 babies' lives. I'm asking all of you in the audience right now, would you give one time $280 and stop 10 abortions through preborn? And if you could do more, do more. Maybe you could do 2800 and stop 100 abortions. You know, something we need some of you to buy ultrasound machines. They're $15,000, but your legacy is going to be stopping thousands of abortions and bringing a bunch of moms to Jesus Christ as well. But for everybody else, what do you say? 280, 10 babies' lives. It's this simple. Just go right now online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the preborn tab crawfordmediagroup.net click on preborn or you can just call over the phone right now they answer 24/7 so call right now 833-850 baby just mention national crawford roundtable when you call okay 833-850 Baby, we appreciate you folks doing that. And, you know, there are so many of you listening that have got involved that are passionate about uh, saving the unborn, and we very much appreciate that. And, and Roger, I know that uh, uh, you have a good friend as well that is partnering with us here on the on the podcast that's doing the very same thing, skin in the game, and saying, hey, let's do what we can to save these babies' lives. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Advisors. It, it's amazing how when you look at some of the, the, the financial world and see how topsy-turvy it's been, and then you see an organization like Dennis's that was founded 54 years ago with a desire to help families not have to struggle during those final years of you know, life or you know, what happens when someone goes on to eternity and what's left for their survivors. And Dennis takes the sanctity of life a huge it's a big deal to him. He's got eight kids. He's got 18 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. And as he's heard about preborn, this is one of the charities that Wilson Financial supports. If you go to wilson-financial.com and there's a charities page, you'll see that he invests a portion of the proceeds that he earns from your financial investments with him into things. He's purchased a couple of ultrasound machines for preborn, for example. I mean, it really is a question of good stewardship. And that's what it is. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that your money is growing either tax 
tax for your tax deferred. You want to make sure that you've got enough for retirement, but you want to, if you've been blessed, you want to be a blessing as well. And Wilson Financial Services understands that. I'm thrilled to welcome Dennis as a partner to National Crawford Roundtable. Uh, you can go to uh, uh, crawfordmediagroup.net to click on the banner for more information. But uh, one of the things, uh, to your point, Bob, that I know has been a big appeal to Dennis is the fact that preborn does have that component when a woman comes in for that ultrasound. Um, how, how many thousands of women have received salvation? I mean, have accepted Christ because they went in right. for a pregnancy test and an ultrasound. Not only did they see the miracle of life that God is allowing to grow inside of them, but they understand who the author of life is. And that's, I mean, you know, from Wilson, from preborn, these are the, the people that we're partnering with and are partnering with us to share that good news message because it's essential that people understand that. It really is. It really is. And, and so that's why we want all of you folks to get involved. Let's save babies' lives. And Dennis Wilson and the great work that he's doing, you know, thank you so much for that. We continue to talk about uh, Asbury College right now. And as believers, how do we process this? Uh, Neil, I want to ask you about some of the—I mentioned before, I don't really have red flags, but I do have some pink flags that have come up about the the Asbury College Experience. You know that right now we're so experiential in it's about emotion and feelings and experience and everything else. And unfortunately, that leads a lot of people down wayward doctrine and wayward theology. And so we got to be very, very careful with stuff like this. And and one of the things that has been something skeptics have brought out about the Asbury College is that the original message here and the focus has not really been Jesus-centric. It's been about just a, a feeling of emotional euphoria, which, of course, the Holy Spirit will, will bring that in you. But it seems like it should be grounded in a focus on, on Jesus and at least have some measure of sound doctrine woven through it. And it seems like that's been missing from this. And then you add to that some of the other concerns like uh, Todd Bentley, that uh, that guy who we know is kind of a disgraced uh, evangelist, if you will, long history of sexual misconduct, you know, kicking a lady in the face and uh, knocking a man's tooth out and slamming a crippled lady's legs into the floor as part of his quote-unquote healing services, saying that he's talked face-to-face with Jesus and angels and having gold dust and oil coming out of the pores in his hands and some documented scam healings and such and so But Todd Bentley has completely embraced the Asbury thing as well and says, oh, I want to go there. I want to be part of this. I want you know, whatever. Uh, and so there's just, there's some areas it's like, okay, is this is this just a bunch of emotion that is used in a way to uh, allow people to basically go off into a feelings-based theology that's not biblically sound and ends up not being Jesus-focused like it needs to be? So like I say, these aren't red flags, but they're at least pink flags, and that's why I think we have to exercise caution when we look at things like this and as I mentioned before, be cautiously optimistic, but not automatically wide-eyed embracing because we don't want to be naive in the gospel either. Yeah, and I appreciate what you're saying, and I you know, I, I hear that, and I, I share some of your concerns. There's no question about it. And I think that's why I said earlier that you know I'm cautiously optimistic that this thing is legit. But then again, I mean, how, how would we say, well, what if 85% of the people in the room or 
25% of the people in the room were having a real encounter with God and others were just kind of curiosity seekers. I mean, I remember one time um, leading a vacation Bible school class and I think there was seven or eight-year-olds in the class and I gave some kind of a salvation message and then I asked who wanted to receive Jesus and one kid raised his hand and then by the by the time we were done, all 35 had raised their hands and I don't think uh, that was because I'm a Billy Graham you know, quality evangelist. I just think there was peer pressure going on. So I was real careful about how I handled it after that because, you know, I didn't want kids thinking that because they raised their hand, everything's right with God. But some of these people coming are, you know, curiosity seekers. They want to know what's going on. They're watching. Uh, has God gotten a hold of some hearts there? I sure hope so. It sure looks like it, honestly. And, you know, I mean, if, if Kanye West came out and said that, you know, he uh, endorsed it, would that all of a sudden make it not real if there was a real, you know, revival going on? So I, I'm not really right. concerned that much about peripheral figures. But... Uh, you know, one thing that I think I I think it's important to say. I listened to the chapel service that happened beforehand. I watched the the sermon that was given, and quite frankly, it was really simple in a way. Um, he read scripture. He talked about scripture. Um, I think his name was Zach Meerkrebs, and you know, he talked about loving each other properly, loving each other Jesus' way. He talked about the various forms of love and that kind of thing. But then at the end, he didn't give the typical do more, try harder thing. What he said was, you know what, before we even think about trying to love better, we ourselves need to be loved by God. Now, why does that matter? And, I, and I'm only bringing it up for one reason, and that's because, um, you know, in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned. Um, they automatically tried to start fixing their own problem that, you know, they put fig leaves on and we'll cover our shame. We'll figure out a way to do this. And we do that in Christian circles. We're very famous for, you know, doing more, trying harder to fix our hearts. And yet only Jesus can fix our hearts. We love because he first loved us. And I think we do need to have a, a radical encounter with Christ. Lastly, let me say, and then I want to mention something important about, you know, free speech, but let me just say that, um, I think it's important that uh, we recognize that every movement of God begins uh, with God and not with man, and that it usually defies understanding. I mean, who would have chosen for the Savior of the world to be born in a manger, literally a feeding trough, right, and to be born among right. shepherds, the lowest of the low? So. Uh, the fact that this wasn't super organized, it, it doesn't appear like some major Christian ministry rolled into town and said we're going to have a revival. The fact that it just spontaneously broke out actually gives me a little bit of hope and understanding for this. But I, I also want to say how encouraged I am that, that we have the right to even talk about this kind of thing and that these students have a right to pursue a relationship with Christ because I mean we still do enjoy religious freedom and freedom of speech here in this country however as we often talk about on this program it is under attack and thank God for Alliance Defending Freedom I wanted to bring it up here because they're one of our major sponsors and you know the bottom line is there are efforts underway to stop Christians from talking about Jesus or the Bible or um, in any way trying to experience him uh, you know and, and if that's the case then we're in difficult we're in a difficult place and in real trouble. And I think that by uh, supporting a group like Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a nonprofit, completely, you know, dedicated to protecting religious freedom, then we have a better chance in the days ahead to be able to continue to do this very kind of thing. Talk about it here on the roundtable. Uh, talk about Christ in public. Live out our faith openly. 
And, you know, ADF is an incredible organization. In fact, they've won 14 victories in the U.S. Supreme Court since 2011. I think 80% of the cases they have taken on, um, they've won. And they do it all pro bono. So, I mean, whether it's students on a campus uh, or the teacher and the administrator in Virginia who just recently lost her job and largely because of things she said, trying to make the claim that all people are created equal and that all are equally valuable and viable because of, of being created in Christ's image. You know, when those kind of things happen, um, thank God that Alliance Defending Freedom comes in to protect our right to say those kind of things and to work on our behalf. So, you know, everyone uh, who runs into one of those kind of problems will find themselves saddled by legal bills, but not people represented by Alliance Defending Freedom, which is why I think it's important we give and give now. Uh, and by the way, giving to ADF is easy. So I would encourage you to go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net the phone number is 877-367-6461. You could call and donate today. Or, again, visit the website, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, or call 877-367-6461. But the ability we have to speak freely, to worship freely, it's all under attack, and Alliance Defending Freedom is doing everything they can to protect the rights of these students on campus and people just like you and I. Neil, I just want to jump in here real quickly with, uh, to add something to what you said about the revival aspect and the free speech aspect. And we're grateful, of course, that the, this hasn't been shut down by some crazed nut job who comes out somewhere and says, you know, my rights are being violated by this revival service. When you were talking about the chapel service itself, I watched it too. And you were very kind and very gracious. I think I posted on one site that the pastor Zach gave an interview afterwards. He said, well, I really whiffed that one. He texted his wife and said, it's another unremarkable service. I'll be home soon. And I, I wrote, yeah, you know, I don't disagree with his assessment. There was nothing remarkable about what he preached other than the words of Romans 12 and everything he said to the students. But then when they left the door open and said, hey, we're going to do a praise song, you know, the praise band came up and kind of cut him off. It was like the Academy Awards. He was, oh, shoot, I got to hurry because, you know, we're, we're running over time on chapel. It was that kind of pedantic. But then he left, the praise team left, and those 20 students hung around, and that's when God lit the fuse. And so I think that that does lend credibility to what we're talking about in terms of does this have the potential for revival. It certainly wasn't because Zach came in on a hot streak and preached that killer, you know, right. go and do and be better type of thing that makes it all possible. And Bob, I know that we've, we've talked about that a lot, how sometimes the personality gets in the way of the spirit. But in this case, it definitely seems to be a spirit thing. Yeah. Well, it, it does. And I don't know uh, when things like this happen, you don't know what to take seriously and what to not to take seriously. I don't know if you've heard, but one of the students there at Asbury has tweeted a, a, what he's considering a celebration about this. He said, did you know that people of color, women, and queer students have been leading worship uh, in all of these days? Both student bodies lend themselves into, uh, into being us toward the throne of God. This is not a criticism. This is a celebration. One of the students saying, I think this Asbury thing has been so wonderful because we've had women, we have people of color, we've had queer students, LGBT, that have been leading the worship through all of this. Uh, now, I, I take that with a grain of salt, too, because, you know, who knows? But this is not somebody saying this as a critic. This is somebody who's saying this as a celebration tweet kind of stuff. And there's some people picking up on this realfreedomtalk.com is picking up on it so that may be substantiated it may not be substantiated we don't know but this is one of the reasons why back to the point that 
that both you guys were making uh, early on is it let's give this some time let's see what fruit gets produced from this let's not take a knee-jerk reaction positive or negative let's be cautiously optimistic and obviously not try to uh, squelch the holy spirit in anything that he would do so i I just want to add i just think moving away in other words in in time as we watch this thing and how it plays out if people move towards uh, fidelity to biblical truth as opposed to away from it and more to an experiential kind of thing. Um, that's going to be the measuring stick in my mind. If people say, God, it's going to be your way, not mine. I'm going to yield to your plan and purpose, not my own thoughts, not my own desires. Then I think we're going to see evidence of real revival. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, now this, of course, Neil, they're talking about this maybe being picked up in other churches and maybe moving more beyond just Asbury. I guess this is one of the things that we look for as well, because if this is just 11 days and done and it doesn't really catch on anywhere else, uh, I mean, you know, it could be a nice thing to happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit himself has chosen this particular time and place to launch some kind of revival. He may have. It may have just been a small thing, but I'm kind of curious to see if this catches on beyond Asbury. Well, just real quick, I'm, I'm, I may be a simple thinker, but let me just say that I think that all of us are candidates for revival right here and right now. You know, let true, repentance begin with the household of God. And while it's fun and nice to think about things like, you know, the Second Great Awakening or the Jesus Revolution of the 1970s or what might be happening at Asbury, um, the reality is that any one of us at any point can yield to the plan and purpose of God and allow him to break forth new life in us, you know, even if we're believers, to restore our hearts and to get our priorities straight again so that we're serving him properly and I I want to encourage all of us to pray individually and I, I think honestly that was one of the things I liked about that sermon Roger and you're right it was simple and, and he may have been a critic of himself saying that it really wasn't a great sermon but what he was challenging people to do was to get along with God and all he really said was yep. at the end the altar will be open come and experience him you know get into his let him overwhelm you with his love and and if he does from that point on, he can do anything if he's actually in charge of your life, if he really has control. So I'm holding out hope that that's actually what has happened in the majority, at yeah. least, of students' lives, and I certainly want that for my own life. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, folks, we are in the second half of this podcast. We're going to be talking about another Christian movement. We're going to be talking about the HeGetsUs.com campaign, this Jesus campaign that we saw the commercials for in the Super Bowl. Uh It's not just pink flags. I have some actual red flags that have popped up with me on this one. But we're going to talk about that in the second half. Maybe I'm just being hypercritical. Uh, Also want to remind everybody, if you have not given yet to Preborn, please do that now. Uh, We need you to go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, and give whatever you can. If you can give $280, that's going to stop 10 abortions. All right. If you can give $2,800, you can stop 100 Whatever you can afford to do, we need everybody to do what you can, okay? And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. That's what your money goes for, showing ultrasound images of these babies to moms. And they choose life when they see that ultrasound image. And these moms are accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. So it's a really good use of your money. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab. Tab. And if you want to give over the phone, the answer the phone's 24-7. You can call right now. You can call in the middle of the night. Call right now, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable 
when you call. And the second half of this podcast, you can listen on your regular radio station. And if they don't play the second half right now, go to your radio station's website, look at the program guide, because they probably play the second half at a different time. You can listen there. Or just listen online, CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher. Tune in wherever you listen to your podcast. And we welcome your five-star reviews as well. All right, the second half in the He Gets Us campaign coming up next here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, Roger Marsh of the Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. We don't have John Rush with us this week, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, but we'll have John back with us next week. So let's move to another Christian campaign, the HeGetsUs.com campaign about Jesus. If you watched the Super Bowl, And I hope that you didn't allow your children to watch the halftime Rihanna show with you. But uh, if you watch a Super Bowl, one of the things people pay attention to are the Super Bowl commercials. All right. And one of the commercials that seemed to score very well was the Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts commercial. It was cute. Okay, fine. But there were a lot of Christians excited about the fact that Jesus made it to the Super Bowl because there was this campaign about Jesus called HeGetsUs.com, the He being Jesus. And so a lot of people are excited when they see, hey, Jesus commercials in the Super Bowl. And I watched these commercials, and i got to be honest with you, I'm like, you know something, it wasn't outright heresy, but it had a flavor to it that that caused me some concern. And so I went to the hegetsus.com website. And it's not outright heresy. They're not saying uh, Jesus isn't the only way to be saved. Uh, you can be Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, and that's fine. Everybody goes to heaven. They're not being blatant like that. But they're kind of being subtle it appears this campaign in a way that reduces Jesus to nothing more than a nice guy who lived a life that we should model. And you go to the website, and that's all it is. Jesus was about love. He was about inclusiveness. There, There is a lot of uh, kind of the left-wing social justice warrior critical race theory terminology and verbiage that's peppered into it uh, here and there. Uh, It's saying that some people harm and divide in the name of Jesus, whereas Jesus was inclusive and Jesus was a refugee, kind of equating Mary and Joseph with Jesus going to Egypt, equating that to illegal immigrants that are coming into the United States. Uh, And then even suggesting, they said, uh, for example, in Israel, political and religious factions were one and the same. Back then, at the time of Jesus, it was the Pharisees and Sadducees. Today, we have the conservatives and the liberals. They also said, Jesus actively resisted and rejected participating in culture war politics. And so it's just, it's a very subtle way of taking a swipe at, at... political conservatives who happen to be Christians, but it's doing, being done in a very subtle way. So politically, culturally, I take issue with that, but my, big, my biggest issue is the identity of who Jesus Christ is. You go through that whole website, there's nothing about Jesus being Lord, Jesus being Savior of mankind, Jesus dying for our sins, the need for repentance. Uh, nothing about that at all, nothing about his deity at all, just Jesus was a really nice guy who showed us how to live as humans and love. 
Well, um, okay, but my goodness, we need a little bit more substance than that because Jesus was more than just that. And so that's kind of my issues that I have with the whole He Gets Us campaign. But let's go around the the table and maybe talk about this a little bit. Neil, if I could start with you, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live. You're also a pastor. Uh, I don't have a problem with people pointing out the love that Jesus displayed in his humanity, and he is a good model for us. But when that becomes the totality of your image of Jesus and portrayal of Jesus, that's 100% of who you portray him to be. That, to me, is where I start getting concerned. Well, and I agree. And Jesus isn't just man. He isn't just a moral right. guy. He is God. And in, if you don't present Jesus as God and man, um, the complete package of who Jesus really is, God in the flesh, then you're presenting a false Christ. So until they step up and begin to talk about the fact that Jesus is God, then they're representing a false Christ. And I don't want to be overly critical of the campaign because I don't know a lot about it. Uh, I did see that I watched the Super Bowl um, uh, not closely because I'm not a huge fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. It was Once I realized Philadelphia hmm. wasn't going to win, I kind of began tuning out. But you know, I saw. How did had, you know that until the end of the game? Oh, <laughs> uh, you had, had a call. you know, well, you had minutes. a feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once Mahomes starts his magic, it's all over. But anyway, I <laughs> I began to kind of fade at that point. But I did see the commercial, and I my impression was very similar to yours, Bob. There was something. I just got to be honest. I'll just call it like it is. There was something creepy about it. Like I, yeah, my, my, yes, uh, <clears> you're right. my discernment radar was going off and I'm like wait a right, second what, exactly. who are these people and what are they saying can I see that again but it was gone you know it was here and gone and they paid right. I don't know seven million dollars or something for it but <clears throat> it was kind of disturbing because I didn't feel like they were presenting a biblical Jesus and after doing a little bit of research and checking out their website and stuff I would agree with you I'm not seeing where they're talking about who Jesus is really and by the way Jesus was quite divisive. Now, I'm not saying that he wasn't loving and that we shouldn't try to be like him, because Lord knows we've done a poor job over the years in the name of Jesus, carrying out all kinds of atrocities. I mean, you know, think of the Crusades, you think about Hitler and some of the things that were done in the name of Jesus, you know, even uh, supposed churches involved in some of these things. And, and, and then there's spiritual abuse and sexual abuse that happens in churches. I mean, so, yeah, let's be realistic. Christians haven't always done the best job loving or representing the loving human side of Christ. Um, but he is a Savior who calls us into account. He's our Messiah. And if you look at, you know, for instance, Matthew chapter 10, he says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they'll deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious about how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you're to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's, it is not you who speak with the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and the children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. I mean, the, Jesus was being real about what it was going to be like for people who were going to follow him and faithfully serve him. And ultimately, you know, his claim that he was God uh, got him crucified by the Jewish people, and Jesus was a Jew. So it, his message didn't go over well with the Jewish people. And so if you're not going to paint the full picture, then you're painting a picture of a false Christ. And for that reason, I'm not comfortable with the He Gets Us campaign. 
Yeah, and I'm not either. And I, I'll tell you what, I went through the entire website, every word. I looked at every article. I read every word of every article, every single thing on there, trying to find anything about uh, the, the fullness of who Jesus really is, more than just a man who showed love and tolerance and inclusiveness and, and everything else. Uh, the, the closest I got was there was one place where they said, that uh, uh, we we invite people of all different beliefs. There are some who believe Jesus is the Son of God, some who are in different faiths, some who have no spirituality at all, but the important thing is that we all kind of, that was a some who believe yeah. he's the Son of God. And that was the closest. Everything, you know what it even says in there? Our goal is to not convert, our goal is not to convert. It's like, well, that absolutely needs to be your goal. Jesus said, so, in, I think it was Luke 13, three, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. I mean, he was asking yeah. people to turn to him where true life is found, and it's why he he made the exclusive claim in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes into the Father right. but by me. So he wasn't leaving open the possibility that maybe all roads lead to God or all religions. He, he was saying, I am the way, and that's an exclusive and divisive claim. Right, and, and this is why it's really important for us to be talking about this campaign because the Super Bowl was merely the launching of this campaign. Throughout 2023, we're going to see a lot of money. Last number I saw is somewhere around $100 million they're planning on spending on this campaign, billboards and everything all across the country. And as believers in Christ, we need to be very discerning and wise and make sure that we're biblical about this and that we don't automatically start embracing something that maybe is not a biblical Jesus. Now, Roger, I want to get your take on this because you're a pastor also. Uh, before we do though, uh, I, I do want to remind everybody listening to us right now, you hear me talking about preborn every day. And if you haven't given yet to preborn, please do it now. If you have, we thank you for that. But remember, everything that we talk about, everything that we debate, nothing changes the fact that we have an opportunity to save babies' lives, and that's what Preborn does. And we're so thankful that Preborn is partnered with us and that they're a sponsor of this podcast. We appreciate them doing this, but we're asking you folks, support Preborn. They're supporting us. Let's make sure we support them. And you're doing this to save babies' lives and save the moms' souls because preborn shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms. And those moms choose life statistically 85% of the time when they see a picture of their baby. And those moms are accepting the Lord on top of it. So $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life. That's why we're asking everybody listening right now, will you give one time $280, $280, and you save 10 babies' lives, and you're bringing moms to the Lord. Would you do that? And if you could do more than that, do more than that. Do 2,800, save 100 babies' lives. Whatever you can afford, we just want you right now to go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and you can give right there. Every dime, 100%, goes to fund ultrasounds. Nothing for overhead. And if you want to give over the phone, the answer to the phone's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call right now, 
baby. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that. And actually, Roger, before I even get your take on uh, on the He Gets Us campaign, uh, I have to say, you have somebody who is a friend and has a, been a business partner of yours, an advertising partner for a long time, uh, Dennis Wilson. And I'll tell you what, a lot of us are really appreciative of what he's doing in his company in supporting Preborn as well. Absolutely. If you go to wilson-financial.com, hit the charities button, you'll find a big pre-born banner and a way for you to donate because that's the way Dennis operates his business. You want to talk about a divisive issue. I mean, in the church or divisive, depending on how you pronounce it. How about money? I mean, the idea that there are some hmm. Christians who believe the only way you can be a Christ- good Christian is to kind of wallow in poverty. Other people who say, hey, I want my pastor driving a Maserati because that shows you know, how much God favors our church. Dennis gets the financial world at, from a biblical perspective, has for 54 years. The idea that we are to be good stewards with the resources that God entrusts to us, that it's all God's money, and we are just stewards of that money. And that's what guides his decisions when it comes to recommendations for alternatives to bank CDs or real estate investment trusts. I recommend Dennis because of the fact that he's got a heart for ministry, a heart for the Lord, and was drawn to preborn because of the fact that he's a father of eight and a grandfather of 18. Has a couple of great-grandchildren as well. And that is evident in everything he does. Wilson Financial helps you plan for your financial future and to give you confidence in the future. With the stock market going weird, you want to know that your finances are in good hands. And that's why I'm grateful that he's part of the sponsorship team here at National Crawford Roundtable. And if you go to crawfordmediagroup.net, you can click on the Wilson banner there or go to wilson-financial.com to learn more about Dennis. You know, this He Gets Us campaign, guys, I had two reactions to it when Lisa and I saw the spot. The initial reaction about just what the spot was saying, Jesus told us to love our enemies. I thought, if I were a youth pastor and I had this multi-million dollar production with all these people at war with each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then I used that as a launching point for a message grounded in scripture, it's an outstanding resource. However, I totally agree with you guys in terms of what we saw watching it. I'm thinking, this is just one of those drive-by things, and then you go to the website and you don't see anything that basically says Jesus is any better than any other teacher. And, you know, that the, the, the whole he gets us, what, what does Scripture say? God so loved the world that he gets us? So he gave his only begotten son because he gets us? I mean, yes, he does understand that we are sinful, fallen people, but that minimizes the salvation story. Jesus, as Neil duly noted, is the only way to salvation, is the only mediator between God and man. And so if that is, in fact, the case, the He Gets Us campaign doesn't get Jesus. I mean, so why? They're, they're basically <laughs> saying this is a cultural <laughs> Jesus, so right. right? So so here they here they are, you know, saying, well, cultural Jesus is social justice warrior Jesus, is, is feminist Jesus, is Neil, you were mentioning earlier about the one report that you saw where uh, people were looking at Asbury and saying, yeah, there are people of color and, and, and gay people and women and this, that, and the other thing. First, to the women and the people of color thing, have you been to church recently? Because last time I checked, most of the praise teams that I see have all sorts of different people, you know, men and women, all different backgrounds as, as far as ethnicity goes. The one issue I thought was interesting was, well, they said, well, there were gay students leading worship there too. Yeah, Asbury, like Cedarville, like Baylor, like a lot of the universities that we're seeing having these revival moments are CRT friendly, they're LGBTQ friendly, you know, they've kind of, they're, they're woke progressive institutions, which makes this movement of God even more remarkable is that God is saying, wait, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit here. Let's see how many people just use this to amplify their leftist progressive ideology 
versus the you know the the true biblical is this going to be a returning uh, and, and here on, we're recording this on Ash Wednesday you know Joel two and uh, twelve and thirteen you know come up you know return to me with all your hearts rend not your rend your heart and not your garments I mean literally the rend term in the Greek literally schizo means to break open. You know, you think of someone who's schizophrenic and their mind's kind of crazy. And this is what God's saying. He's saying, look, don't rebuild the temple that fell apart. Don't show up and just honor me with your lips if your heart's not right. And the idea of the, the, the he gets it campaign looks good to the eye and it sounds good to the ear, but it's not right with the heart, at least as far as I can tell. And uh, I, right. you know, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a pass to the revival people because we're going to have to have a, a long discussion to see how this plays out. But when it comes to the he gets us campaign, it it feels really good initially, but it's like a piece of candy that loses. You know, it's it has no benefit other than to taste sweet in your mouth for a few moments exactly and you know not to mention the fact even the the name of it the premise itself okay it needs to be we get him not he gets us because everything today is so us focused me focused you know i want god to get me i want him to understand me and where i'm coming from and it's like we're not conforming to him and his nature anymore. It's like, let's get him to conform to our feelings, our emotions, our needs, our wants. And, and by the way, he's a loving father, okay? He, he, he's our heavenly father. He does, quote unquote, get us, if you will. But this is all about, it's me, my life, and and I, I want Jesus to be somebody who really gets me. Uh, it just so it's so self-focused. But then also, well, to, like I said before, my biggest issue here is that it's just it's only, only, only focused on the nice guy, warm and fuzzy human side of Jesus, and and that's it. And well, you know, well, Neil, I. I let, yeah, let go ahead. In. What I pick up Please. about it, you know, the term social justice, I think somebody said that earlier, that, you know, there's an attempt here to say, hey, look, Jesus was a social justice warrior. Um, and as opposed to, you know, the Savior who came to redeem us from our sin and our selfishness and our belief that we could save ourselves. Because going back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve tried to cover their own sin with fig leaves. Jesus later, of course, slaughtered an animal and covered them uh, with the skin of an animal, uh, thereby representing that real redemption was going to come through the shedding of blood. Of course, then the Jews were required to, uh, you know, sacrifice a lamb for forgiveness of sin. And then Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, is the one who takes away the sins of the world. So God's answer um, to sin was the shedding of blood. God handled that when Jesus came and gave himself for us. But the point is that God intervened and saved us, and he wants us to yield our will, our plan, our purpose to him, as opposed to thinking we can fix all the problems in the world by ourselves. and that's what the social justice movement is about. Now, I'm not saying right. that some, there aren't some people involved who have a genuine love for other people. It gets kind of confusing when you look at it that way, uh, but the reality is uh, just being good and trying harder isn't going to change anything. We're corrupt. Jesus, you know, wanted everybody to be aware of the fact, as it says in Romans, quoted, you know, by the Apostle Paul, that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Good news is that the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the invitation is always to yield our lives to him. And, you know, um, apart from understanding that real message, apart from looking at what the Bible actually says, then we're, we're walking in fantasy, not truth. And Jesus is the truth. Uh, Jesus is the Word of God. And so uh, I think it's important that we 
we respect the reality of what Scripture is saying, that salvation is found nowhere else except in the person of Jesus. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of people, I might add here, that don't really want uh, the Word of God included. It's too, um, it's too powerful. Uh, we're too accountable when we look at what God's Word actually says. Um, and yet, thank God that over the centuries, uh, Christians have continued to stand by biblical truth and represent biblical truth in the public square. Um, we've had the freedom here in the United States of America, more so than any other place in the world, I think, to be able to express our biblical views. But all of us know uh, that they're under attack. Uh, and I mean, it, just as an example, just during COVID, look at what happened when they began shutting churches down. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, one of our sponsors. Man, how great is it that Alliance Defending Freedom is a sponsor of ours, that we get a chance to talk about the fact that they represented some 3,200 churches on COVID-related issues. There was a widespread attempt to shutter the gospel during that time. Well, who was going to stand up for us? The answer is Alliance Defending Freedom did that. And, you know, they've got a long history of working with pregnancy centers. We talk about uh, preborn and the abortion issue a, a lot here on this program. Thank God that they're representing pregnancy care centers and Christian-owned businesses, pastors, churches, and other ministries. So this is an incredible organization that we should support wholeheartedly because they're committed to protecting our fundamental freedoms. And uh, they're tremendously successful in the courtroom. They win 80% of the cases they take on, including more than a dozen at the U.S. Supreme Court level. And they never charge a dime to people like you and I. You know, when we find ourselves in a situation where the world is coming after us um, and we don't know what to do about it or how to protect ourselves or how to make sure that our freedoms are, are protected and guaranteed, isn't it good to know that Alliance Defending Freedom takes those cases pro bono and represents us uh, so they stand for truth and righteousness on our behalf and thank God for that. So if if you're listening today and you feel compelled to support Alliance Defending Freedom, we would appreciate that. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or call 877-367-6461. CrawfordMediaGroup.net or you can call 877-367-6461 but generously support the organization Alliance Defending Freedom because they're standing um, for our ability to proclaim the real Jesus, God and man, who suffered and died on our behalf and makes it possible for all men to come to him. Right. So true. So true. So, Roger, as we as we continue talking about and kind of wind down our discussion on the He Gets Us campaign, as people see all the billboards and the commercials and everything else being flooded throughout the course of the year, it, it seems to me that that maybe this needs to be a, a little bit of a warning to some pastors out there and some, some churches and some Christian leaders to not automatically embrace a movement just because it's got the name Jesus in it. If it's a watered-down, non-biblical Jesus that's actually kind of subtly encouraging conservative Christians to stand down, uh, and promoting the liberal left-wing ideology through subtle means and reducing Jesus to only a man, I don't see this as the as the biblical Jesus. But I, unfortunately, I see a lot of pastors that are probably able to get, you know, be weak or not discerning. I'm like, oh, hey, it's Jesus. It's Jesus and culture. Let's go ahead and run with it. 
Uh, and it's like, no, we need the we need the true biblical Jesus. Remember, uh, the Apostle Paul in Galatians one said, if somebody preaches a different Jesus, a different gospel, let him be eternally condemned. He, he made that same point in Second Corinthians eleven, I think it was, uh, as well. And so, uh, it seems like we have to be careful that it's the real, true Jesus of Scripture, and not some culturally accepted feel good Jesus that would not even be divisive in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, you know, we for too many years in the United States, we've been able to take for granted there are good godly people, air quotes, uh, doing good godly things. And even in the We Gets Us campaign, I was stunned to find out that one of the major uh, benefactors, supporters of this was David Green of Hobby Lobby. I mean, the Museum of the Bible is yeah. one of the people bankrolling this. And the idea, some people will say, oh, well, see, it's got to be good because, you know, the Museum of the Bible is behind it. But once again, I mean, this is where uh, you were talking about Paul in 2 Corinthians. I think of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.24, do you not know that all in the race run the race, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, someone might, there's going to be some great preaching and teaching and worshiping coming out of people at Asbury who never wind up bending a knee to Jesus Christ. And yet it'll help lead somebody else in faith. It'll help them grow stronger. We have a laundry list of Christian musicians, authors, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all I have to do is say Ravi Zacharias. We could just go on from there in terms of people whose walk has been strengthened by someone who's basically condemned themselves because of the way they live their lives. It's up to us to be discerning. We can't just say, well, they're American and they're Christian, and that's good enough for me. We really have to be, maybe this is one of the fruits of revival already coming out, is that we, the church, would be more, the true church, would be more discerning of any spirit that comes along, especially the ones that look like Jesus. Yeah. So true. So true. Well, and I guess really, Neil, I mean, you're a pastor just like Roger is. This is something that we have to be on the watch for because it's not like people today are saying, hey, let's reject Jesus. What they're doing is saying, let's redefine him. Let's come up with a, with a counterfeit mm -hmm. Jesus, a fake Jesus that isn't offensive to a darkened world. And that seems like what we're doing with the gospel these days more and more. Let's try to find a way to sanitize the gospel in a way that it'll be palatable to a darkened world. And it's like, no, the gospel of Jesus Christ is supposed to be an offense to a darkened world, but we're trying to remove the offense of the gospel. And not that we want to be offensive for offense's sake. I mean, let's try to get along, okay, of course. But to, to try to turn the gospel into something that's not going to make anybody mad is just not realistic. It's not biblical. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, it's just in thinking about what you were saying there, let me mention, you know, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, listen, you got to be born again. Um, you were born once in the flesh, which is why you have a birthday every year. But you've got to be born from above. There, there's something that needs mm -hmm. to happen to you that hasn't happened yet. And so, you know, you think about other situations in Scripture where uh, people right. thought And by the way, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to give you a heads up. we got like 30 seconds. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking quickly of, of Matthew chapter 7. You know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. People were saying, hey, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. We did many mighty works in your name. And what does he say to them? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. In other words, right. you haven't come to know me on my terms. You tried to reinvent me into something that would, you know, be cooperative with your own worldview, but you need to come to know me. 
And that's the invitation right. for all of us, to truly know who Jesus is and to receive him as Lord and Savior. Absolutely. And we appreciate you folks listening every week. We do. want to remind you, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. Give to Preborn. Don't forget, you got 28 bucks saves one baby's life. How many babies' lives will you save? Ten, two hundred eighty dollars a hundred, twenty eight hundred dollars, whatever you can do. This is this is how you save babies' lives, these ultrasound images, paying for these ultrasound images. So we need you to do that, everybody. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab. Or if you want to give over the phone, just give them a call right now. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, 833-850-BABY. And just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call, okay, 833-850-BABY. We do appreciate you folks listening. Remember, you can listen to past podcasts at crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. If you want to watch video of us, you can do that at myhopenow.com. Dot com, And a uh, big thank you to all of you folks. Big thank you, of course, to uh, Dennis Wilson and Alliance Defending Freedom and Preborn. And, guys, looking forward to catching up with you next week. Thank you, Bob. Likewise, Bob. We'll see you then. Thanks. You bet. We'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And by Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Your generous financial support makes it possible for Alliance Defending Freedom to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. And Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.